0: This is Amber Stevens, and you're listening to Airs and Arrows, the podcast. This interview that you're about to listen to, it was actually already recorded, but today as I'm doing this intro, um, we hear of the news of another black man who is, unfortunately, he lost his life um, because of racism. And um, it's definitely heavy on my heart, it's heavy on a lot of people's hearts. Um, and this is something that we, you know, have to deal with, unfortunately. And one of the things that I always think about um, in these kind of situations is, number one, the person's family, how heartbroken and how devastating the news of something like this happening must be for them. Um, so I definitely want to keep their families in prayer um, and just to to not forget about them. Another thing that I think about is it's unfortunate to think that people don't realize how priceless the human life is. You know, when I think about, um, I talked about it in another episode, I talked about purpose and how God, you know, he wasn't, he was not bored. He was not at a loss of things to do and though decided to create the world, he created each of us with a purpose and Every time a life is lost prematurely, we miss out on that purpose. And so, um, again, the news that we heard today was devastating. Um, But I am thankful that that we have a God who is a God of justice. And even when system fails, he remembers every single detail. He knows the secret motives of people's hearts. He knows when things are hidden, and so hopefully justice is served in this situation, but if it's not, I find peace in knowing that God sees all and he remembers all, and then he will bring everything to justice. This episode, though, um, I hope that it's something that starts conversations in your family, even if you don't have children, this is conversations that we can have among each other as friends, as adults. And I hope that you're encouraged by it. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Airs and Arrows. I am super excited about today's um, conversation because we're going to be talking about race and racism. And I have an amazing um, young lady on the, the podcast today. Her name is Trillia Newbell, and she's going to bring us some insight on this topic. And so Trillia, can you just... Introduce yourself and give us a a brief background of of who you are.
1: First, I'd like to say thank you for calling me a young lady. (laughs) I'm in my 40s, so I'll take it. Um, I am, I'm a wife and mom. I have two beautiful children. I'm a writer and I'm also an acquisitions editor for Moody Publishers. And so I do a realm... A few different things, but all in the writing realm. And so I'm, I'm grateful to get to talk to you, Amber, and get to, um, yeah, be on your podcast.
0: So exciting! I'm so excited that you're here. So, um, all right. This, of course, race when we talk about race is such a to- touchy topic, but I, I think it's important for us, especially as believers, to have this conversation um, in love, and so it doesn't have to be. You know, filled with anger, but you know, we can do it in love and we can do it respectfully. And so I'm so excited. So um, we've been kind of in the house for the past two months or so, quarantining. And I think in some ways, um, the recent news that came to light about Ahmaud Arbery was kind of a reminder of the racial prejudices and discriminations that still exist, not only in this country, but in the world. And so, why is it important for families of all races to talk to their children about race?
1: Well, I'll start with the Christian family. Um, If you, I mean, if you want to embrace your neighbor, love your neighbor, then we're really called to talk about all the things that the Lord talks about, including um, that we're made in the image of God, that we are reconciled to him, that every tribe, tongue, and nation can be his. We're called to make disciples of every tribe, tongue, and nation. So it's essential as Christians, that this is a part of what we do. We, we're talking and about um, different different ethnicities and cultures as a way to love our neighbor, and so it's essential, I think, in, and to delight in what God has done. Not worship, right? But delight and enjoy how God has created people so unique and so different. So, it is essential for those reasons. It's also essential because. We struggle with loving our neighbor. We fail deeply, and we sin greatly. And so, when it comes to um, racial pride, arrogance, ethnicity um, prejudice, racism—that's all really about pride and arrogance. When it comes to those things, and we see them, if we need to be talking about race and culture and ethnicities already so that we can be ahead of the culture, ahead of the news. We're already thinking about these things. We're not going to have all the answers, but we understand we have a biblical worldview of what it means to be made in his image and to reflect him. And that we understand people's value and worth. And we already know we already have a good foundation so that we can talk about these very difficult things like a Black man being gunned down? Why is that wrong? And why is it um, a topic that we need to consider in regards to race? And so if we have those foundations, then we're able to talk more about them um, and more freely. And as you started this podcast with truth and with love.
0: And in your opinion, when do you think is an appropriate age to you know begin that process to talk to your children about race or is it in your opinion a case by case matter or is it like a certain age you think
1: yeah i mean i think it's probably a case by case kind of i say that because kids are observant i when my when my son was 2 he called me chocolate and mommy He said, I'm he called me brown at first, and then he started calling me chocolate. And then he started calling his dad, who is white, Peach. And so there he was identifying, trying to make sense of his world. And so there, if you if you go to church, or if you send them, if you go to a grocery store, or if you send them to school, whatever it is, they're gonna be exposed to people. So I would start as soon as you can, just start look at how God has made people different and it can be a good thing. It actually, it is a good thing, but you don't have to present it as a, um, they are different than us, (laughs) but this is a good thing that God made us different. And so that we're the same, but different. And so I think for us, it was very early. It was, it was probably age two, um, where we just started and it was and it's all been very age appropriate. So it would be things like, yes, mommy is brown. Yes, daddy is peach. <laughs> so we were just affirming what he is seeing. Yes, you're right. Mommy and daddy look different. And so, and I, and I think you'll notice that kids start, they'll start to pick up on things and point things out. And um, I think it's good. One thing, if I could tell you a real quick story I, um, when I think it was, I don't remember when, how old my daughter was. And I think it was my daughter. She noticed a, a lady who had a red dot in the middle of her forehead. So, um, she, she was likely Indian, but she could have been, there's a number of different cultures that wear the dot, but she, she had a dot, um, in the middle of her forehead. And my my daughter asked, what, what is that? And pointed And instead of me getting really anxious and hushing her, I just said, Oh, she's from a different culture. She they wear dots. Let's go research it at home and find out why. And the reason I did that is because the moment that we react in almost embarrassment that they pointed out something or shock and fear, we're putting, we're ingraining in our kids that that they've done something wrong and that. Difference is wrong and and that' we're, they're not supposed to notice that people are uniquely unique in their cultures and and so and so that's something we've just been trying to we've tried to do is talk freely and openly about the differences of people from a very early age.
0: Wow, that is so good. I love it I love it. All right, so how can parents effectively talk to their and teach their children about racism, not just race, but racism? And I want you to answer that first. um, How can parents of um, minorities, children, talk to them about racism? And then on the other hand, how can parents of non-minority children talk to them about racism?
1: You know, I'm in a unique position being in a biracial, multicultural family. In that we've actually had to kind of do that in a way. Um, both of my kids look very different from each other, and though one is a boy and one is a girl, the the boy looks he he looks he looks ethnically something like there's something different, you know, <laughs> unique. But for the most part, especially when he was younger, he had bone straight hair and pale skin, and so. We would approach him a little bit different than my daughter, daughter who had curly, curly hair and who we knew kids are going to want to touch her and touch her hair and point out because she she looks a little bit more biracial. And so um, so for us, I think we just thought, OK, we send our kids to school. We want to be ahead of the school and ahead of the culture. So we want to teach them stuff before they hear it at school. So they they heard about Jim Crow, separate but equal, but not so equal, before they got to school. So they understood that once one day, mommy and daddy, we wouldn't have been able to drink in the same fountain. So for the black or, or minority family, which could be, I guess, anything besides. Um, but if if it's African-American specifically, you may start really early because kids are especially if kids are being raised in homes that are culture, they're racist. And culturally, that's that's how they're growing their children. Then um, really early, it, you you would likely to say people, people may not like you. And it's only be- because of the color of your skin. But God loves you. And so I just think I think um, we we identified the potential for that. I don't remember how old, but I know that we we pointed out pretty early because they start learning about these things really early, that um, the history of the United States is separate and people are going to be um, unkind and they're going to be unkind for all sorts of reasons. And some of those reasons might be the way you look. And so we we're explaining those things. Um, now that my my I've got teen preteen, um, it's a lot more like people were lynched because of the color of their skin. That bo- that man was gunned down because of the color of his skin. It's a lot more direct, and cl- cl- there's no it cookie cookie cutting. It they they are they understand the evil of the world in a way that they just couldn't fully grasp at five. But at 13, 14, 11, it's, it's it's pretty clear, okay, this world is fallen and there's lots of evil. And this is a part of that deep evil that we see in the world. Um, for non-majority uh, culture, or for majority culture, excuse me, um, families, I think you, you there's a number of things. One, don't shy away from the facts. Um, our history, I think we need to really teach the truth and the whole truth. And and so I would I would tell the, tell your kids, "Hey, some of the some of your neighbors are discriminated against. And here here's why." And some of the students in your class may say racist jokes. If you are participating well, you are complicit. So that it, you're going to be um, considered racist. And if you are struggling with fear of being outcast, then we need to work on that. Um, if you are silent, you you will likely be considered one of. So you've got to make some, you, you, you really need to teach your your kids how to be advocates for their friends, how to be good friends with a diverse group of people, and and how to also be okay with rejection if they're not, and then um, and then I think we don't always want to paint it. Which of course, right now we're talking about racism, so this is we want to hit that on the hell, head. But when we're talking about race, I think one one of the things that um, we get into a really sad, I think, kind of pigeonholed is is always talking about the negative aspect of culture and race and never celebrating. So for Black History Month, for example, my family, we celebrated all month long. We cooked. We also talked about very hard things, but we combined it with celebrating Black culture and enjoying food and learning about history, about um, the positive parts of history um, and contributions of African-Americans along with the other stuff. So I just want to put that caution out there, really, I guess, more specifically to my white brothers and sisters, because I think there's going to be, there's a temptation to run towards this is, this is, that's the summation, the negative racism, um, Jim Crow is the summation of our history. (laughs) And it's not. There's so much more. And so I want to, as we're fighting racism and working towards being anti racist, we need to also think okay, part of that is celebrating, showing a beautiful picture, a whole picture, a better picture.
0: I like that. Uh, As you were talking, I was remembering when I was in high school, we had um, International Day, and (laughs) we really looked forward to it because it was a day where people brought in um dishes basically food from their culture perspective cultures and of course that was like a really basic you know kind of um view of uh, different cultures that we got to experience but the idea was okay bring in what makes up you what makes you you and let's celebrate that let's share it with one another Let's see where, you know, our families um, enjoy different things and where we're different, but let's celebrate it. And so I love that. And then uh, I was oh, thinking, I, I was listening to a, a, a guy today, a Caucasian guy. And he said that um he he recently, you know, God has been bringing um, a bunch of like African-American brothers into his life. And um he said that one day he got pulled over by the police. And he did not have anything. He did not have his license, his registration or his insurance. And he was like, you know, before I would have just been like, oh, yeah, whatever. And so before I say that, at the end of all that, the the cop was just like, okay, have a nice day. You're good to go. And he said that before he would have just been like, okay, you know, whatever. But his children were in a car and he said that he had um, recently just really God had been showing him that you know it's true different people people of different colors different races they don't experience life like we do and he said he took that moment to really talk to his children about you know the fact that if I were a black man it would have maybe turned out a little bit different and he wanted to just bring that truth to his children which I thought was a really good learning um moment for them and I, i'm I, I was happy to hear that and so that, that is that's good. awesome Yeah. Yeah. So. um, All right. Next. That kind of leads me into my next point, which is or my next question, which is um, why is it a problem um, when people say that they are colorblind?
1: Yes, actually, it does segue very well into this question because we've I've almost already already explained it all. If First of all, you're not colorblind unless you are actually colorblind. (laughs) Otherwise, you see color, you see me, and you see African-American woman. And I think to deny that is really... um, I I think what people are trying to say, and and it's out of a, a heart of real... Just a good heart. They're trying to say, I'm not a racist. So that's what they're trying to say. They're saying, I'm colorblind. I'm not a racist. But what that does... Um, It really uh, dehumanizes people. It takes away their culture. So if we're not um, African-American or Korean or whatever, you just name it, Native American or et cetera, then what are we if you're colorblind? So instead, I've used the term, there's color smart. I've heard color wise. I think what we want to aim for so that we can enjoy and embrace people is to learn about them, learn about their culture instead of pretending like it doesn't exist. And that's mm-hmm. what colorblind that that notion does. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I like that. Um, I, I, I definitely feel the same exact way. And I think that, like you said, I think it is out of a pure heart to say, like, you know, um, I'm not uh, I think people should just say, I see your color. I see that you're different, but that's not gonna affect how I treat you. I'm not gonna treat you different because of that. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, I think that's a really good point. All right, lastly, a lot of times uh, people see racial issues as simply a a white or a black issue. Um, However, like you said, there are Hispanics, there are Asians, Latinos, um, Native Americans, all different types of people. And if we're honest, all of us, to some extent, have discriminated or have had some or still have some prejudices that may may maybe just we haven't expressed outwardly. But there may be things that we hold in our hearts. And so how do we as believers ensure that our hearts are pure towards people who are different from us?
1: You know, I'm so glad that you. Bring that up because I do think that often we forget or not forget, we frame this conversation in a black white conversation all the time. And it's in the American context, it's important and it makes sense. But it is the human heart is wicked (laughs) and needs renewal and transformation by the Holy Spirit. And we are being made um transformed from one degree of glory to the next but we aren't there yet. So we have to ask God for mercy and grace so that we can love our neighbor well. We're go- we're going to be arrogant, we're going to we're going to stereotype and this is something that we need to repent of. We're going to be we're going to be partial. There's a lot of partiality where we're partial to our quote unquote own kind but in Christ the veil of hostility has been torn apart. So there's one new man where we are each other's brothers and sisters. And so, um, so my point is, is that we all must ask God where we struggle with racial bias or where we struggle with a temptation to not love our neighbor based on some outward appearance or some assumption we've made about them because of their culture Um, or their um, ethnicity and repent of it, turn and ask God for forgiveness and he gives grace. And so I do hope that we will all take that seriously. Amen.
0: It's funny that you brought up that scripture. I I just posted that um, scripture about uh, our hearts being wicked today on, um, on Instagram. And so (laughs) actually I was trying to pull it up. Here it is. All right. This is Jeremiah 17 verses nine and 10. And it says the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is, but I, the Lord search all hearts and examine secret motives. And so, um, I think that, you know, moving forward, all of us really should really go to God and see like, you know, Lord, where are, where do I have, um, discrimination in my heart? Where is their prejudices? Where do I favor some people over others? You know, God does not have favorites. And if we're his children, we need to mm-hmm. follow his example. He doesn't have favorites. If he doesn't prefer others over um, one group over another group, then neither should we. And so Trilia, thank you so much for being here. This, of course, you know, race and racism, this is a conversation that you know, it's going to be continual. We're going to have to keep working at it. And, um, but I'm so happy that you were here today to kind of, you know, talk a a little bit about it and in love, like, again, this is not as believers, we don't have to get all rowdy. And, you know, there, of course things hurt and it's sad to see things when they happen, but, um, having a a, this, the, a Christ perspective and a, a, and a godly perspective will help us to move forward in this, um, in this fight. And so um, please, can you tell everybody where they can find you, where they can, you know, follow you and all that good stuff?
1: Well, the best way to find me is to go to com. So that's just my website. And then If you're looking for me on Twitter or Instagram, it's all the same, Trillian Newbell. That's it. Nothing, nothing, no dots, no middle initial, because it's hard enough to spell my name.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much again. And if you enjoyed this episode of Errors and Arrows, please forward it. Please like it. Please uh, comment and share it with your friends and families. And um, I hope that you guys have a wonderful rest of your week. God bless. I love you so much. God bless.